Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you for joining us today, and for those of you joining us online, we're so glad to have you with us too. Let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're on site, please turn to your neighbor and give them a smile and a wave, especially if you haven't seen them without masks on for a while. <laughs> and for those of us joining remotely, please feel free to type a greeting in the chat, and our moderators will be there to respond to any messages. As we enter into this sacred time, please stand as you're willing and able and join me in the call to worship. Today is the Lord, day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us, Let us be, be glad, glad this day for, for life, for breath, and for freedom to worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We, we come, come to bring, bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We sing, we sing of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. Let us remain standing and join our hearts and voices in a time of praise and worship. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could be savior in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down. But you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you
Will you join me in prayer? God of love, source of grace and compassion, weave your dream for the world into the fabric of our lives. Remove the scales from our eyes and lift the indifference from our hearts so that we may see your vision a new reign, a kingdom of justice and compassion that will renew the earth. Transform our lives so that we may accomplish your purpose. Anoint us with your spirit of love that we might bring good news to the oppressed. Bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim release to the captive. Give us a new sense of urgency, a new commitment to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit those who live in isolation. Help us to reach out to those whom no one else would touch, to accept those who are deemed unacceptable, and to embrace those who may disagree with us. Surround us with your love, fill us with your grace, and strengthen us for your service. Empower us to respond to the call of Jesus to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, 
and to follow you. Make us your disciples, O God. Amen. Morning, everyone. Uh, we have been on a series of sermons on the theme for such a time like this. So today, if like if you are joining us online or you're joining us on site, uh, you may put in the code four five three zero one five seven three onto menti.com, or you can go to fcc.la forward slash menti to join us in today's sermon. So today's sermon topic is entitled, The Cost of Discipleship. For such a time like this, what kind of time is this for you? It's a time of violence and wars, a time of viruses and diseases, a time of environmental disasters, floods in some places, droughts in others, a time where people have to choose between feeding the family or keeping them warm due to the high cost of living. This is just what is happening around the world at this moment. Closer to home, we have this recent repeal of 377A, which led to a very public standoff within the religious communities, especially with a lot of vocal disagreement from certain Christian factions. You know, I think reading those words that were published online, that no matter how often you have been like, I mean, those words have been staring into our face, you still feel hurt. In some of our personal lives right now, this may also be a time of losses for some of us. Be it our jobs, the passing of our loved ones, our relationships which are broken, or our declining health. So if you are at the best times of your life right now, I congratulate you. But for me, I feel that this time and this world that we are living in is actually not going on too well. And it seems to be getting from bad to worse, and things does not seem to be look up, looking up at all. So for me, what can I share on for such a time like this? Today's lectionary reading is taken from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Verse 25 reads, Now large crowds were travelling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. You know, even as a Christian for many years, from time to time, when I read the Bible, I still find myself taken aback by what is written in the Bible, in the Bible at first glance. For example, with this particular passage. 
It usually comes as a gut reaction until I'm able to give it further thoughts. To me, the Bible can be very contradicting. It's supposed to be a book about a loving God. Then we, reach about, then we read about the judgmental God who upholds justice when it is not found. How can a God be a God of love, mercy, forgiveness, and at the, at the same time still be a God who judges and condemns? Remember, judgment day is at the end. How can God sometimes forgive so easily? For example, he forgave David, who committed adultery and murder, and yet be so harsh when asking Saul to attack the Amalekites and totally destroying all that belongs to them. It was said, Do not spare them, put to death, men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. This is found in 1 Samuel 15, verse 3. So things, there are a lot of things in the Bible that makes me uncomfortable. You know, the incestuous relationships, the adulteries, the patriarchy, the status of women portrayed. So today I'd like to ask you, is there anything about the Bible which makes you feel uncomfortable at all? So you may key in the code 4530157 uh, to answer this question. I mean, of course, I mean, for some of us, we can explain away some of the contradictions by reading the Bible in its historical and social context. And that we can say that, oh, there's a difference between how God is portrayed in the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> oh, there's a big yes, but we don't know what, what, what makes you uncomfortable. Yes, it's uncomfortable. The violence, the extremism, the misogyny, the retributive God. The limited point of view, yes, because the Bible is written with certain contexts in mind by the writers of the Bible. So as we wait for more response, so we explain the way that, you know, God is portrayed differently in the Old and New Testament. And then with Jesus' death on the cross, a lot of things is still right away. But as you can see, you know, there are a lot of things in the Bible which makes us uncomfortable. But how many of us would make the effort to study the Bible further? Or we depend on the pastors and the leadership of the church to do the work and we take their interpretations wholesale. But who checks on the pastors and the leadership of the church to ensure that this group of people are not interpreting the Bible with selfish motives, to justify their lives, to advance their own agendas, if there are any? So I can understand with the many interpretations of the Bible, there will always be Christians who will not see eye to eye with ICC both on the LGBTQ issues, maybe on us opening our communion table to all, whether you are a member of a church, whether you are baptized, or a lot of other issues the FCC stands for. Bernard Shaw once said, no man ever believes that the Bible means what it says. He is always convinced that it says what he means. So when we read the Bible, we must always be aware that we are not trying to read it according to our own desires. And when we come across passages and concepts which makes us uncomfortable or we find contradicting, like what you all shared just in, uh, in the word cloud just now, what should our responses be? Do we choose and discard what we want to believe or not believe? Do we ignore all the things that make us uncomfortable? Or do we put in effort to study a bit more so we can understand the Bible in relation to our current modern lives and in relation, with our, and in relation to our relationship with God? To me, it makes no logical sense to say that I believe the Bible when it comes to Jesus, but yet I put away and disbelieve what it says in other areas. 
However, this is what countless of self-proclaimed Christians have failed to do. They have failed to reconcile the entire Bible in their hearts and mind. So back to today's lectionary reading, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. What is your first impression when reading this passage? Jesus is asking us to hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. What happened to the unconditional love that Jesus is supposed to stand for? What happened to asking us to love ourselves, love our enemies, and to even bless those who persecute us? What can account for Jesus' call for us to hate our families? So the word hated is from this root word, miseo, which is from the primary word misos, standing for hatred. But hatred can also stand for to detest, especially to persecute, and by extension, it can stand to love less. So in the Bible, there's a tendency to use the word hate when what it really means is the secondary form of love. When I read this passage, when I see the word hate, it, it evokes a very strong emotional reaction from me because we read it with a modern mind. In, Deuteron in Deuteronomy 21.15, it says, If a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, the meaning is not that you know, the man hates his wife. It's not a visceral hatred of the second wife but rather that the second wife is less preferred than the first. Hated can also be interpreted as unloved, neglected, and disliked. So similarly in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, when God says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. The meaning is not that God literally hates Esau, but rather that Jacob was preferred over Esau, and that Esau therefore received a love, but a love that was held in lesser regard. So the parallel to Luke chapter 14, verse 26 is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So Matthew makes it explicit that what Jesus is getting at here is that those who love father or mother more than they love their Saviour and Lord is not worthy. So Matthew interpreted the word hated to refer to primary allegiance. So for Matthew, this saying indicates that our loyalty must be to Jesus rather than to family. The, following, the two short following parables in verses 28 to 32, it further elaborates on the point of the loyalty and the cause of discipleship. So if you read in the beginning, actually there was a large crowd of people following Jesus. But you note that Jesus didn't preach on God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, but instead shared with the followers the price of following him. And I always wonder, you know, it's like, did the crowd thin after this? It was almost as though Jesus is chiding the people who are following him for not having a clue as to what they are doing, in that they were the ones who had, in fact, not counted the cost ahead of time. Oops. So they were the people who had to abandon the building project before it was finished because they ran out of money. I'm very scared this is what's going to happen to FCC from time to time. And they were also the people who had gone to war against a superior opponent due to the lack of prudence advanced work as to the strength of the enemy. Would we be among these two crowd? So verse 27 says, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What does carrying the cross mean in verse 27? The cross was an instrument of death. Therefore, carrying the cross refers to being able to commit to God even unto death obedience to the extreme measure and willingness to die in pursuit of obedience. 
I think for most of us, we would choose to be alive rather than, than to die, right? Which is why today I wore this T-shirt, because my choice is to be alive. I don't want to die. I think death on the cross was not pleasant. It was painful and humiliating. The implication is that even if obedience is painful and humiliating, we should be able to willingly endure it for Christ. So in where we are today, Singapore, we may not need to suffer the literal death on the cross, but rather we are called to put to death the things of the world, that which we worship other than God, just as when Lee preached last Sunday. Could be our addiction to power, our adoration of physical beauty, the world's obsession with money and material things, or even something as intangible as our emphasis on intellectual capabilities. Anything we desire more than what we need is a form of worship of that thing. Anything that occupies our thoughts, our time, our finances, our effort, more than what God does, is placing God in second place. So my question for you today is, what are we putting ahead of God? I guess a time of reflection, if you do not know what you are putting ahead of God, is that you helpful for us to think back to the week before. Do we spend a lot of time working? Do we spend a lot of time in the gym? Do we spend a lot of time planning what to eat? You know, like, okay, Monday I should go and eat with this person, Tuesday I should eat with another group, Thursday, so forth and so on. So, what are we putting ahead of God? Money, myself, possessions, people, everything, friends, food, approval, material things, self-gratification, convenience. So I'm glad that, you know, I think all these are very, very common things that, you know, we always put ahead of God in front of our lives. But by saying, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus was giving us a word picture of the concept of death to sell, which originates in our saying of Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? The idea is that nothing in this life is worth keeping if it means losing eternal life. Not a job, not our family, not our groups of friends, not even our very own identity. I think the call to follow Jesus is tough, but the eternal reward is well worth the temporary pain. So how do we keep ourselves separate you know, from, what, from the world and not take part in these cutthroat ways of climbing to the top of each and every heap? The love, the world's love of violence and intimidation and war. How do we engage in a form of living death every day, of sacrificial living for the sake of others and the kingdom of God? How much are we willing to sacrifice for our faith? To lose our lives? To give away all our material possessions and share with others as we are called to in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37? To suffer persecutions for our belief as in some other countries? What are our answers to those questions? Mostly, no, probably. But are we willing to only sacrifice as long as it doesn't affect our current standard of living? And we give only what we can spare as long as it has no impact upon us. So how do we on one hand accept that God's grace, which is free and unmerited, with the cost of discipleship that Jesus talks about? 
We need to know that though grace is not for us to earn, but salvation in Jesus is at heart a covenantal relationship. And no relationship will last without loyal commitments and actions. Jesus' command to follow me is both a gift and a demand. Did we measure our cause when we say we believe in Christ? Or was it a spirit-filled transformation that happened in that once-a-lifetime conversion? I think at some point, most of us will, have some kind, will make some kind of conscious decisions to, follow, to become a follower of Jesus. We willingly come and attend services on Sundays. We attend Bible studies. We attend prayer meetings, cell groups. We serve in church ministries. We participate in outreach programs. Some of us even underwent the sacrament of baptism. But beyond these conscious decisions that took place along our Christian journey, at what point in our lives are we always consciously choosing God over everything else? Do we grow in our faith with a level of thoughtful seriousness and astute calculations that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 14? To me, I think, you know, we don't often count the cost. We just accept the asking price. And the asking price for Christianity is actually pretty low most of the times based on our modern interpretation. So in FCC, the board has got numerous discussions on how to define what a member of FCC means and how to maintain the membership role. A lot of times what we try to do is we cut down the logistics of becoming a church member so that our poor church staff don't have to every year come and chase you. Hey, please remember to renew. Please remember to pay up the membership fee, etc., etc. So the board contemplated on setting up a five-year membership, 10 years membership, or even a lifetime membership. And usually I'm one of the dissenting voices because I always wonder why. Why would you want to become a member of SEC and yet not make the effort to do this one thing every year? Is it really too much of a hassle? The FCC needs to eliminate all the obstacles to a membership in order to keep you as a member of the church. So FCC has got an excellent team of volunteers in our congregation. Our welcome ministry is there to greet you at the door when you come in and at the exit to say goodbye. We have lunch khakis to accompany you and accompany new visitors and whoever needs company during a meal. We serve beverages when possible. We run the seed programs to initiate and integrate you into church life. The worship team and video team puts in effort to record the worship songs and come early for rehearsal when there's live worship. The production ministry works behind the scene to make sure that a broadcast goes out every Sunday. Sometimes we're under a lot of stress when technical issues propped up. Everything done in this church is done so that the church is a comfortable place for people to come in and stay. Yet, many still come and go. When things become uncomfortable, if there are differences in opinions or clashes of personalities, or if the church is preaching something which we do not want to hear, maybe like today's sermon. So, <laughs> please uh, have a bit more confession on me. Oh, we feel that, you know, sometimes the leadership is not listening, we are not, not enough attention is being paid to me, or our whims and desires are not catered to. Or some of us are simply tired and burnt out. Maybe when everything is so easily accessible, it is often taken for granted. Sometimes I wonder, you know, in FCC, in the spirit of welcoming home and in the name of being inclusive, we actually neglect to emphasize that all of us are in a covenantal relationship with God and each, and each other. And that means that we actually hold each other accountable in both our individual faith journey and as a faith community. We always say that everything in FCC is by invitation and not coercion. Sounds fantastic, right? But we also know that human inertia means that we all prefer to be in our comfort zones. And we all know that, you know, 
There's always somebody else that will do the things that needs to get done. So leadership won't push us, what? We are just here to worship God, right? So no need, lah, no need. Just be comfortable, relax, chill, right? But if FCC is really serious about discipleship, and that we, each and every one of us, are to be the salt and the light of the world, can we still continue as we are? Do we talk enough about the cause of discipleship and what God demands of us? Or are we happy to just coast through life? Will we lose half the folks here if we realise that the price to pay is not just a few hours of our lives per week or just turning into YouTube or giving of what we are able to spare? I think FCC needs everyone's input to help the leadership in discerning God's calling and what should the church's role be above and beyond being a safe space for the marginalised and the outcasts, in spreading the word that each of us is God's beloved, and willingly take up our cross daily to follow Jesus. We do not want the kind of discipleship that is cheap and entered into without deep consideration of the consequences and the cost. We know the price that God had paid through His Son Jesus, which we will never be able to repay in any form, the least of which we can do is not to take this for granted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in The Cause of Discipleship, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, Grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Costly grace is the gospel, which must be sought again and again. The gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Ye were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon His Son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered Him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. So grace, though free, cannot be passive. Grace requires us to do something after receiving it. Indeed, we should say that if following Christ is worth anything, it has to be worth everything. The Apostle Paul considered his accomplishments and pedigree, both exalted by the world's standards at his time, as rubbish compared to the knowledge of Christ Jesus, the Lord. Nothing else mattered to him any longer, especially to the point of living for them. He chose Christ, and that, Jesus states, should be every disciple's choice. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ 
and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So at the end of our journey, when we are standing in front of God, what kind of Christian will we be for such a time like this? What kind of follower is God calling us to be? Do you have an answer for yourself that if we are standing in front of God, imagine if we stand in front of God and we are the person that God calls us to be. Can you imagine the difference we would make in this world? So for some of us, the answer is not a cheap grace one. So hopefully it's a costly grace one then. What kind of follower is God calling us to be? To be sacrificial, to be giving, to be impactful, to have more faith, to be devotional, to be one who loves and seeks justice, not only for ourselves but for others, to go all in and not be lukewarm. God is calling us not to be anyone but ourselves. be authentic, to be active, to remember God's effort and that God may increase and that I may decrease, to be like Jesus, tough standard to uphold, to be wholehearted and to trust and to be one that grows every day. Indeed, I hope we all remember and we'll remember and try our very best to be the kind of follower that God is calling us to be. I'd like to end today with Luke chapter 14, verse 33 again, but this time from the Message Bible. It says, Simply put, if you are not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. So today I ask of you and of myself, are we indeed truly ready to be God's disciple? Amen. As we reflect on what Jamie just shared with us, what challenging words, right? The cost of discipleship. And with those words in mind, I want to invite you into a time of Holy Communion as Jesus invites us to this table of grace. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. 
This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to know and recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. Together, we thank you, good and gracious God, for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people caught in our tradition, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other, and we have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our sin and we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your Spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered here as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness, and to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. Remember how Jesus came to us Becoming one of us, born like us, of flesh and blood and bone. A fully human person like us in all things but sin. Remember how on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Siblings, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. And Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me, and I with you. The harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me. Can I invite the stewards to come forward so you can help distribute the elements?
If you are new here at FCC, uh, please uh, hold on to the elements and we'll wait for everyone to be served first uh, so we can partake of the elements together. So together, Jesus, Jesus you are always present, present in our midst. midst. You come, come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life. We invite you to stand as you're willing and able, embody our spirit, and let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourished us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank you for feeding our hunger and relieving our thirst. With deep gratitude, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves, gathered in Jesus by your life-giving spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. Please be seated.
Welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive and affirming church. This means you're welcome here regardless of your theological background, your gender identity, sexual orientation, economic status, or any other label the world puts on you. To our members and all those who worship with us regularly, and to those joining us for the first time or visiting, welcome home. My name is Wendy, and I am uh, the service leader for today. If you're watching this online and the sermon has blessed you, please give the video a like and subscribe. If you're new to our church, or this is the first time you're joining us online or on site, we invite you to leave your details at fcc.law welcome or scan the QR code and our pastors or staff will connect with you and find out how we can serve your needs. We also have a newcomers meeting at the end of every month, immediately after the service. This is a chance for you to meet our pastors and some of our leaders and learn more about who we are and what we believe as a church. So the next meeting will be on the 25th of September, and you can sign up by emailing info at freecomchurch.org. So now let us continue to worship God with our giving. Offering is a time in which we express our gratitude and reliance on God. So there are two ways that you can give using PayNow by scanning the QR codes on the screen or on the backs of the chairs. Now the first QR code is for the general fund, which goes primarily to, towards our staff salaries and operational expenses. The second QR code is for the building fund, which goes towards paying our mortgage on the property. You can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Please note that there is a 1.5% platform fee for the credit card giving, but we are grateful for giving in any amount. So now please join me in the prayer for the offering. Blessed are you, God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. Blessed be God forevermore. Amen. And now I uh, invite the st uh, stewards to come up and get the offering. So while they're going around, uh, we have some announcements.也是从一点到三点半，另外七是在九月二十五号，也是从一点到三点半。如果这个是你今天第一次看见这个通告，然后你觉得，哎，我没有，我还没有时间去电邮，inform@freecomchurch的哦，你还是呃会被热烈欢
uh, if you wish to assess the gateway to heaven's blessing, uh, to decipher the secret, what is the secret to the Lord's Prayer, and to enter into the presence of God more readily and easily, uh, please email to info at freecomchurch.org. Uh, actually, the first session is today, but if you have no time to email us, or this is the first time seeing this announcement, you are still welcome to join us immediately after uh, lunch from 1 to 1 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. If you are interested to join the second session, please remember to email info at freecomchurch. The second session is on 25th of September, afternoon 1 to 3.30 p.m. I'm back. Okay, thank you, Jamie. I'm a disgrace to my race, so <laughs> so she. Uh, thanks for for making that announcement. Um, so we continue to need volunteers for the production ministry. Uh, they make it possible for us to continue to live stream uh, the service over the internet. So specifically, uh, we are looking for visual presenters uh, who are in charge of running the videos, the lyrics, and the computer graphics on Sunday. Uh, so if you're obsessed with details and you're a perfectionist, this is a perfect volunteering opportunity for you. And also you need to be good at uh, using uh, Microsoft PowerPoint. Uh, you can find out more about the ministry by signing up uh, for the next uh, behind-the-scenes tour, um, and you can email info at freecomchurch.org. Um, okay, so we have a membership class coming up. Uh, which is on Thursday, uh, 22nd of September. And uh, you can sign up at fcc.law membership. Uh, and the closing date is 18th of September. All right, uh, please save the date for our upcoming FCC anniversary service. Um, we're celebrating 19 years uh, of, uh, of God's faithfulness and, and being, uh, being our church. So uh, 2nd of October, uh, take place on 2nd October 2022, and we will be sharing a meal together. All right, and finally, uh, lunch khakis are made up of people from our community who want to continue our welcome uh, by having lunch together at a nearby coffee shop. So if you're new to the church, you want to get to know people better, um, or just you know want someone to have lunch with, uh, you can find Daniel. Uh, yeah, he's raising his hand in the back and after service, um, and we look forward to getting to know you better. Okay, so now I invite the, um, the worship team for our final song. All right. Just join us for the closing song. Yay. I could just sit. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am. 
reach me from the inside I could be safe I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home never let these walls down but you have called me higher you have called me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me Lord you have called me Will you remain standing as you're willing and able as you receive the benediction? Ever-loving God, you call us to love and discipleship. 
But God, we confess that there's so many times that we take for granted your grace in our lives and we forget what it means to follow you. And we do not allow our lives to be transformed by you. But God, today, we say yes. We say yes, Jesus. We will follow you. And so together as a community in Christ, will you go? Go and be followers of Christ wherever Christ sends you into every corner of this earth. Go knowing that you do not go alone, that Christ, our Lord and Savior, goes with us every step of the way. So now go, and may the grace and love of God go with you always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Uh, do join us for worship again next week, and have a blessed week ahead.